0: It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. BYU-Texas Tech. The Cougars looking to bounce back. Obviously, the Red Raiders looking to do their thing as they make their first ever trip to Provo, Utah to take on BYU. A whole lot of intrigue for both of these teams in this matchup. We're breaking it down right here on this crossover edition of Locked On Cougars and Locked On Texas Tech. What's up, everybody? I'm Jake Hatch, your host here on Locked On Cougars. And this is a crossover edition also with Locked On Texas Tech. And Chris Level joins us, who is the host of Locked On Texas Tech. And uh, a lot to break down on this show, but a quick reminder, thank you to all of you on both of these shows for making it your first listen today. Thank you to all of you who are everydayers with us here on the podcast as well. Uh, But Chris, how are you, sir? Thanks for taking the time to
1: join us. I'm doing good, man. Looking for the the old first trip up to... uh... To Provo, I think these two schools have only played one time before, yeah. back in the, was it 40s?
0: Yep, the 40s. In, uh, in front of
1: 7,000 people.
0: <laughs> in Lubbock of all places.
1: And That's it was a, right. It was a 21
0: to 20 final. So crazy, <laughs> crazy stuff. Uh, I'll just yes. say this also. We are recording this on a Wednesday, funny enough, Chris, if I'm not mistaken. So, so it's a Wednesday when we're recording this. Today, speaking of Wednesday, October 18th, I believe is actually the 82-year anniversary or something like that of that game, so crazy, crazy stuff.
1: And here we are celebrating. Yeah, I mean, as as one does on an 82 game uh, <laughs> anniversary, right? Yeah, no, no doubt, no yeah, doubt about that's that. right. Uh, so I, I wanted to ask you this:
0: obviously, with Texas Tech and BYU being new members of the Big Twelve, this is kind of the, the one opponent it feels like for BYU fans that they are seemingly wholly unfamiliar with, just because it's been literally decades since they have played one another. Uh, what's the what's the feeling of Texas Tech with these newcomers coming into the conference, and obviously more coming in next year as well?
1: And I will tell you, uh, I, I think Texas Tech and BYU are, are somewhat uh, kindred spirits in that the, the one link I can certainly give you is the Mike Leach mm-hmm. uh, link. Yeah, uh, you know I, I, I know he spent a lot of time in, in there in Provo, and uh, obviously spent a lot of time in Lubbock. So we 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 kind of can, you know, be be that way with each other. Um, yeah, I I, th- I think that honestly, I think that the Texas Tech fans are really excited about the new additions, not just the ones that have entered uh, the, the league this year, uh, you, you know, BYU included, but even the ones that are, that are on the way in into the league next year, because it, Jake, it wasn't, but two years ago when you're mm-hmm. sitting here and like in an August and September and you're going, <laughs> I, I don't know what the future holds here folks. Yeah. Um, and you're, you're kind of this, this eighth, member league in Texas and Oklahoma are headed elsewhere and you're not real sure who's going to lead your league what a TV deal looks like Um, do you expand if so with whom and you look up about what 18 to 24 months later whatever it is and you're in a in a stable, viable league. Mm-hmm. Uh, the money seems pretty good for everybody. It's not the best. Uh, it never was going to be the best. Sure. Uh, you, you are led by a guy that's really thinking outside the box and trying to push the envelope and Brett your mark. So I'm here for it, man. And I and I, I tell you, I think the regionality of, of what they have put together uh, makes a lot of sense because I get some of the other additions to some of the other leagues. I understand it and grasp it. I just – I just think it's kind of dumb when you're going from West Coast all the way to East Coast in, in a lot of these things because football is one thing, but there's a lot more that goes uh, through this uh, or goes into this. And so I like the, what the Big 12 was able to do, and they were able to stay somewhat uh, regional and all that stuff. So, man, I'm, I'm here for it, man.
0: Now, obviously, this game Saturday uh, with Texas Tech in particular, we all know that the quarterbacks seem to drive this league and also drive college football in general <laughs> Now, Tyler Shuck is out. Uh, there's been some question about Baron Morton and his availability in this game, but uh, Jake Strong could be in line to get his first career start. Uh, wh- what do you make of uh, what quarterback or quarterbacks could play for the Red Raiders against the Cougars?
1: Well, and, and I'll just say this: the best thing about Jake Strong is his first name, right? Sure, yeah, I completely agree. And i was I was holding on to that. I was on I was holding on to that as a joke for later in the show, but hey, we're, we'll use it right now. Yeah, just jumped into it. No, yeah. you, you you potentially could be starting. You know, because I think if Baron plays, I don't think he's he's going to be a hundred percent. He really hasn't been a hundred percent. I think uh, you know he got dinged up when he came in into the game in Morgantown when, when Shuck went down and broke his leg. When Barron came in, I think he took a hit on the shoulder. It really hasn't been right. Uh, he hadn't practiced a ton. And so even if he does play, he's not exactly 100%. So w- w- one of two things will happen. Either you're going to deal with a quarterback that is a bit compromised or you're going to deal with a, a true freshman that makes his first start. But this is kind of, unfortunately, what Texas Tech has had to deal with for what feels like the last decade. Um, I mean, you know, Joey and and the the offensive coordinator, Zach Kitley, they're they're basically, if, if Jake were to start, they would have had to have started, through a season and a half here, they would have basically had to have started four different quarterbacks in conference games. Four different people. And that's just a difficult way to try to win and sustain success and build on success. Get into a rhythm. Uh, figure out you know pl- play. I mean, all all the stuff that goes with trying to game plan and call plays and sure. figure out what we're good at and all that. It just it's difficult um, when you're having to kind of tweak and morph it uh, and all those things. So yeah, that's been a. It's been a concern, and it's just—it's just not the way you—you know—you can win football games when you're dealing with quarterback issues, especially if you're down to your third string guy. I don't care what uh, what level you're at, but you'll try and you'll—you'll you'll do the best you can with it. And if that's the case, uh, Barron, went healthy. I think is a really good quarterback. Um, I just—the problem is—is is just that he hasn't been that since he's been able to come in and play this year, uh, other than a handful of series when he came in in Morgantown.
0: Now, obviously, a quarterback's best friend when it comes to having that revolving door, as you kind of mentioned with quarterbacks, having a strong running back. And Taj Brooks is that, if not, he might he may be the best, if not one of the best in the conference. Uh, what have been your impressions of him so far this year?
1: You know, he he, he split carries uh, the last couple of years. It feels like he's been here for forever. Oh, he's one of these guys. I'm sure that the the, the the mainstay, the schools that have been in the league for for a while, they're like. Dude, still here. It's like he's been here for six years. But yes, he's still he's still here and and all that. It, I don't think anybody was expecting what we're seeing now. Uh, I, I think that he's more than capable. I think that um, it's just that in the last twenty plus years around here, we mentioned Mike Leach. You've had an identity of throwing the ball all over the field and. Your offensive line is a bit slower to develop than I think they'd hope. Plus, you've got the quarterback uh, issues that that we've talked about, and so that's led to a lot more running the football. And guess what? It's been working, and it's worked well. Uh, the fans around here want it want them to hand it to Taj even more than they're doing so, and he's got the sixth most carries in the country. Okay, <laughs> but but he is he is uh, he is a really good back. He's not. We're not talking like the Bijan Robinson in the Big 12 last year at University of Tech. Like, Taj is not going to be a threat to take it and score every time he touches it. However, elite level pass pro guy, going to catch it. You're not going to hardly get him for any kind of negative play. Um, he, he's really good after initial contact. Um, and he kind of gets those in between the tackles, grinded out yards. And they've been, you know, working on a variety of different schemes and, and looks to get him the ball. Uh, I, I think, you know, Zach Kitley even went to go uh, learn from the Dolphins and the running backs, Coach Kenny Perry. They went to go watch the Dolphins and the, uh, the 49ers in the spring to kind of get some ideas on concepts of how to, line guys up and, and be able to run the ball in different ways. But I, I don't think anybody envisioned like handing it to Taj 20 to 30 times a game like they've been doing, but that's what's happening and it's working.
0: Uh, last thing for me, just from my perspective, looking at Texas Tech, is the defense for years, and I'm going back, I'm speaking from my years of watching college football, under Mike Leach, it seemed like defense was kind of an afterthought for for Texas Tech, and with the, the new staff in charge here, though, it seems like they've had a resurgence on defense, is this defense uh, capable of keeping them in each game this year, or has it been a struggle?
1: Jake, I, I think they turned a corner around here when Matt Wells was here, and the defensive coordinator's name yeah. is Key Patterson. Um, a lot of the, the 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 transfer guys that came in that are still on this team now yeah. came in and really kind of turned they the, they they made defense matter around here. Because you're right, it's a very fair criticism. I mean, it's well documented. Pat Mahomes was here, didn't win a lot of games because he couldn't score every time he had the ball. Yeah. You know, I mean, and that's in some ways what you were asking. I mean, they had. Pat Mahomes, Jaquin Grant, yeah. DeAndre Washington, who was in the NFL for for a bit of a time, Jason Morrow, who was like a, an early draft pick uh, as a tight end, uh, big time offensive lineman. Anyway, they, but they just couldn't get anybody stopped. Yeah. And so I, I think uh, I think around here they have really done a good job of uh, I, I think turning the tide there. And I think I think. You know Tim DeRuiter's done a really good job, and then you have you have a guy like Tyree Wilson who was drafted in the top ten last year. A couple of years before that, you have a first rounder that goes a linebacker that goes to the Seahawks and uh, Jordan Brooks. Yeah. So they've had legit playmakers here, and and go look at what Jordan Brooks is doing uh, on that side. But so with all that being said, this is where the age uh, is on this team. There's a lot of sixth year guys on that side of the ball. They're two D tackles, they're corners. Uh, one of the safeties, you know, there's a lot of experience and age on that side of the ball. I think uh, in on that defense, and I think they're doing some good things. But they they should be good enough. Like what's funny is you asked me this last week; they kind of let you down a little bit. And I think they. They had no idea that Avery Johnson was going to come off the bench and like get handed the reins, and they're going to see this QB run game over and over and over again. I just don't think they were necessarily ready to see that. But the two weeks prior, they had been really good, um, and so and I think that even against Oregon, they were pretty good. Against uh, West Virginia, they were pretty good. Uh, but it just uh, – it, it wasn't great last weekend, especially in the second half. Your your young quarterback, uh, you know, obviously had something to do with that. But uh, there, there's some good defensive players here. I'm I'm really curious how this game within the game goes on Saturday night because I know BYU's been struggling a little bit on offense and, uh, you know, we'll kind of see. Because if you're Texas Tech defense, you're going to have to play and elevate a little bit in, in, just to protect a – Either young or a dinged up quarterback, either way. And that's kind of be something that we certainly pay attention to.
0: Well, just like uh, Texas Tech has got some questions, BYU's got them. Crystal Pepper has some questions coming up next on this crossover edition of Locked On Cougars and Locked On Texas Tech. Before we do that, let's talk about our friends over at Price Picks. Chris, have you had a chance to give Price Picks a shot yet?
1: Uh, absolutely. Yeah,
0: it's a really, really fun thing. What I love about it, because I've I've played daily fantasy before, and what I hated was the fact that you had to play against other people. That's that's the problem is you don't know who you're going up against. The nice part about Prize Picks is they have taken that all out of the equation and made it that simple for you guys. And they just make it so you compete you against the numbers. You pick between two and six players on stat projections. Pick over or under those numbers, and that's all you got to do to win, my friends. You can win up to twenty five times your own money this football season with our friends at Prize Picks. You can. Test your skills on prize picks with the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. You have the skills you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. You really can make this as simple as you want it to be, my friend. You can uh, make your picks and make your selections. Lock them in, in less than 60 seconds. And the best part is that you have a re- reboot entry uh, for you. if your player, Even if one of your players gets hurt and gets injured for NFL and college football top 25 games, if you have a player who exits the game in the first half and does not return in the second half, that player is rebooted. Pick, uh, prize picks is the the only daily fantasy sports platform with this injury insurance policy. So give it a shot, my friends. Go to pricepix.com slash locked on college. Use the promo code locked on college for a first deposit matchup up to $100. Once again, that's pricepicks.com slash locked on college and use the promo code locked on college for a first deposit matchup up to $100. And check it out, my friends. It's all courtesy of PricePicks. daily fantasy sports made easy. Thank you once again for making Locked On Cougars and Locked On Texas Tech, your first listen of the day. Hope you guys are all having a great day whenever you hear this. All right, Chris, so I just mentioned there are questions about Texas Tech, but from the from the Red Raider perspective, what are you guys looking at, uh, speaking of BYU, trying to get to know the Cougars?
1: Yeah, Jake. You know, I think one of the questions I would have for you what were what were expectations coming into the Big Twelve, and did the fan base did they think ah, oh, this is not going to be that big a deal? We kind of play a tough schedule every year, or. Are they seeing kind of as they look at it? Uh, this, this is a bit of I mean, You take me through kind of how yeah. people there have viewed coming into the Big 12 and now that you're kind of getting it week to week here. Uh,
0: I think most people, when the season started, kind of looked at this and said, okay, you know what, this is a leap we've never taken before. BYU has always hoped to have been at the Power 5 level and be a part of a conference like the Big 12 literally for decades. I, I can remember as a kid, I, I'm young to to remember in the 1990s when Lavelle Edwards was doing his thing and they went to the Cotton Bowl in 97. Uh, people were saying, okay, Okay, they need to take the next step. They need to jump to what at that time was the Pac-10, or jump into the Big 12 way back then. But it's taken decades to get to this point. Now the Cougars, uh, they're four and two on the season, but they have scraped uh, through a lot of this first half of the season by the skin of their teeth. And I think Cougar fans coming into the season would have been happy with a six and six record and a bowl eligible season. But when you go out in the first half of the season and you win four games, you're ahead of the curve. So I think expectations have been heightened just a little bit. I think. think some people out there may be still thinking if BYU can get on a roll, they may be able to reach seven or eight wins. But I think most people are just like, you know what? Year one, get to a bowl game, and I think all will be good.
1: I'm also curious about Coach Satake because, one, Joey McGuire is a big fan. I think there's a lot of – You know, mutual respect there. I think this is somebody that Coach McGuire has known for a long time. Mm -hmm. I I know it's funny because I think the running backs coach was the associate head coach, Kenny Perry. He's actually coached and played at BYU or, you know, against BYU. Tim Mm DeRuter has played and coached uh, in Provo as well uh, uh, against the Cougars and all those things. But how do the cuz you know being there 8 years coach takii's been there it's a, it's a long time and a long tenure yeah. people please uh with 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 him and kind of the general cuz he's what 60 and 36 overall yeah. i mean Pretty nice record in some double-digit win seasons there. I just don't know what the expectations are. I'm curious what the what, what his approval rating is right now.
0: It's quite high. Uh, he is in no danger of going anywhere. This is a guy, and you've taught you talk about it. He is he is a BYU guy through and through. Kalani grew up a BYU fan. Had the good fortune to play college football for Lavelle Edwards, and he always dreamed of coming back to his alma mater and coaching here. That's the thing. He's his entire life. He's always wanted to be a part of BYU in every facet. He's been lucky enough to do that he had a little bit of a slow start to his career uh, his, to his run of BYU that second year they went four and nine and it's quite literally the worst season in the last 50 years of BYU football and there were some BYU fans saying, in over his head you able to figure this out to his credit he made some changes on his staff at that time got things got the ship righted once again this past season speaking of 2022 uh, he had defensive struggles and he had to make some changes on his staff once again and uh it's obviously early on with only six games with that new defensive staff intact, but it seems like the early returns on that are positive, so he's a guy that BYU fans trust to make the decisions that he needs to make to make sure that BYU's in a good position. I think they also understand, you know what, it's not going to be an overnight success in the Big 12 here. It's going to take some time to build and become a hopeful uh, Big 12 contender, but I think Cougar fans trust what Kalani's doing. He has ingratiated himself to the fan base. He talks often of how grateful he is for BYU fans and their ability to travel literally across the country. Country to watch the Cougars play, so this is a guy who gets what it's all about. He knows what BYU struggles are with regards to their honor code, the church affiliation, the academic requirements to get guys into school. He embraces all of it, and that's one thing I think that BYU fans are happy about. And like I said, he's in no danger uh, of leaving anytime soon unless he decides to leave of his own volition.
1: Yeah, and I and I love that news. I think he's a he's a he's a breath of fresh air and, and kind of a player's coach yeah. is the way from afar is the way. And, I, and I've talked to Joey about him and huge huge fans. So be a lot of mutual respect there between the, the two head coaches Saturday night. Take me through because when I think of BYU, I think elite quarterbacks from in the past: yeah. Detmer, Robbie Bosco, Taysom Hill, yeah. Zach Wilson, Jim McMahon. On and on it goes. I remember watching them all. But the running game is something that hasn't gotten on track to help out your current quarterback It was the running game thought to be like man, this because it's it's just they just seemingly can't get that on track was this expected or because I'm sure this is part of some of the struggles that have been going on this year
0: yeah they had they've had a good run of running backs funny enough the court the running back always would take the backseat to the quarterback at BYU because you mentioned they go back four or five decades of having elite quarterback play but they've had Tyler Algier who's now at the Atlanta foul because they have Jamal Williams before him who's now at the New Orleans Saints so obviously he was with the Lions and the Packers before that who Two very, very all-time caliber quarterbacks for BYU, and this year they brought in a guy by the name of Aiden Robbins, who was a thousand-yard rusher a season ago at UNLV, and they were expecting him to come in and really kind of lead this rushing attack. Well, he got dinged up in camp, and they kind of kept it hush hush, and he was very ineffective the first two games of the year, and he's been on the shelf since then. They have a young uh, running back, a four-star talent out of El Paso, Texas, by the name of L.J. Martin, who has stepped in and has done it pretty good, all things considered. He is a truly an—he's uh, an 18-year-old. Who was playing high school football this time last year? And he's L.J. Martin was
1: Jake was originally committed to Texas Tech.
0: I I was gonna I was gonna bring that up. He went went from (laughs) Tech to commit to Stanford Stanford, to BYU.
1: Yeah, there you go. That's exactly right. So yeah, Yeah, so so, so, so Tech tech fans fans are very familiar with L.J.
0: Yeah, and he's been he's been very good so far. The problem has been. They revamped this offensive line after losing four of the regular six. They had like six guys last year who were starting caliber linemen, and four of them moved on after last season. So they hit the transfer portal to retool that. The problem is through six games – there's been seemingly uh, no like gelling of that unit. They've been shuffling in terms of uh, guys in and out of the lineup on that offensive line. What was thought to be maybe one of the chief strengths for BYU's offense, that O-line, has been, frankly, a disappointment so far this year, and it's caused a lot of the issues. They've had uh, inability to really open big holes for the running backs. At times, the running backs themselves have misread things, L.J. Martin included in that mix, so... Yeah, the, the, the running game was expected to be better than it has been, but it's just not been able to get untracked this season.
1: Yeah, and, and take me through Slovis real quick, because he's, everybody's familiar with him. Yeah. He's I think uh, USC, then I think Pitt, and then now yeah. now BYU. Um, he, he's very experienced. I mean, Tim DeRuiter, the defensive coordinator, he was like, yeah, I, co- I coached against him when I was at Cal, yeah. And, yeah. And, and he was at USC. Mm-hmm. That was back in 2019, which was like an eternity. But is he – is he been what people had hoped? Has he been not quite as good, m- much better than? I mean, you-, you take me through his play so far.
0: Now, obviously, I, I say this b- saying that he is trying to replace two guys who are both in the NFL right now. Zach Wilson with the New York Jets, obviously, and Jaron Hall now with the Minnesota Vikings. So trying to make it essentially three, f- three in a row in terms of NFL quarterbacks, that's a pretty lofty uh, sp- status to uh, uphold for him. I think he has been about as good, if not better, than most people thought he was coming in. There's a lot of people that when he came in uh, from Pitt, they looked at what he did at Pitt a year ago and said, man, is this guy washed or what? And that that was the concern is, okay, what are you getting? you Are getting the, the USC uh, Keaton Slovis early on in his run with the Trojans that was a dark horse Heisman contender in some people's minds? Or are you getting this guy who uh, was seemingly just uh, bumbling around at Pitt a year ago? His uh, points looked very much like the USC uh, type Keaton Slovis during the season. But this past game against, uh, when the, this past game that they lost against TCU, it was like, okay, there's the Keaton Slovis from Pitt. So it's been up and down, uh, so far this year. But I think all things considered, having gotten BOE to a four and two record, especially considering the struggles they've had in the run game, I think he's been better than most people expected.
1: Let's talk defense a little bit. I think that obviously, you know, TCU had a young quarterback that threw a lot of, you know, for a lot of yards yeah. last week. Um, It seems like BYU wants to kind of push the, the their chips to the to the line of scrimmage and take away the run game yeah. TCU able to take advantage of that. You take me through what they do on defense some names to remember for Texas Tech fans and uh, things like that and kind of what Texas Tech fans can expect to see Saturday night.
0: Yeah, sure. I mentioned it's a revamped defense this year and Jay Hill came in as the defensive coordinator and him and Kalani Satake were on uh, Kyle Whittingham staff at the University of Utah together uh, when they made their tra- jump from uh, the Mountain West to the Pac-12 at the time and they, they know this defense like they, they essentially learned at the feet of Kyle Whittingham, and they're trying to implement the same type of defense that Utah has run. And what it is It's a single high-safety look. It can morph between a 4-3 and a 4-2-5. It's got those both of those options in it. Against Tech, I would expect to see more of a 4-2-5 look. Uh, wh- the one guy I was hoping was going to be back on the field this week, we found out, though, is going to be out for the season, is linebacker Ben Bywater. This is a guy who had back-to-back 100 tackle seasons the last two years for BYU, and unfortunately, shoulder injury and some nerve damage in that shoulder is going to necessitate him having surgeries out for the season. So uh, he was a guy I was going to mention, but along the defensive front, keep an eye on their on their defensive tackle, Jackson Cravens. This is a guy who is a fifth-year senior, a transfer from Boise State, uh, has been very solid in the middle. And then on the outside, Tyler Batty. He was the D- Big 12 Defensive Player of the Week for Week 3. Uh, he's their leading sack artist, uh, a guy who seems to be coming into his own as a defensive end overall this season. And then they've got a pair of very good quarterbacks, Cornerbacks that came with Jay Hill from Weaver State at the FCS level who are starting this season and have been very good so far. Uh, one is Eddie Hecker, a former FCS All American, and the other is Camden Garrett. And uh, they're both expected to be able to play this week. Camden did not play last week against TCU, and having both those guys on the perimeter to really help, help, help lock down opposing wide receivers has given BYU their best success. Uh, the problem was when you had Camden Garrett sit last week, it was not as effective on the back end. So that caused a lot of the issues. That felt like uh, for BYU against TCU, but it, it's an, it's an attacking defense. Uh, you have Jay Hill who said when he came to BYU, I refuse to sit back and die death uh, and, and die death by a thousand paper cuts. He's not going to be passive. He promised an attacking defense and you'll see him bringing six and seven guys at times on blitzes. Cause he, he refuses to let quarterbacks get comfortable. The sad part is BYU brought blitzes a week ago and TCU bottled it all up. Their offensive line was absolutely masterful in picking up those blitzes that BYU did throw at them. So, BYU's got to find a way to generate some pressure, whoever uh, is Texas Tech's quarterback.
1: Jake, my last one for you is if if fans haven't ever been to Provo before, what can they expect to see in that home environment? And we've heard about what a great atmosphere it is. We've heard I know about the Cougar Tails, you know, they they purchased one of these uh, and all those things, but take me through what what fans can expect if they're making the trip up there. Uh, Absolutely beautiful
0: weather. It's mid-October up here. You might see uh, some snow on the tops of the peaks of the Wasatch Mountains, which uh, Lavelle Edwards Stadium sits at the foot of. Uh, the, The mountains are blazes we like to call them they're a lot of red and gold and yellow with regards to the leaves changing up here so it should be an absolutely incredible backdrop for tech fans when they get up here you mentioned the cougar tail it is homecoming this week for byu and for the first time ever chris they're doing a maple bacon donut cougar tail they're gonna put bacon on top of what is already a 18 inch long maple bar so You know what? Uh, Tech fans are in for a treat. I've literally uh, heard about this, rumors about it for years. It's finally happening in reality, so uh, that'll be fun. But it should be phenomenal weather. supposed to be in the low to mid-70s on Saturday. So uh, it's looking like an ideal football Saturday here in Provo.
1: And hey man, and West Texas people love some bacon. Well. <laughs> so, I, I, yeah, in for a treat.
0: I, I, think, I think they realized it and said, you know what, let's just do it for this weekend. It should, it should be fun. They, the picture of it look, makes it look absolutely incredible. Uh, let me just say this also on the Cougar Tail real quick. I have a hard time finishing just one regular Cougar Tail by myself. It's a lot of donut. Share it amongst a friend or two. Uh, let me just recommend yeah. that. So Very nice. <laughs> okay, you got it, man. Right.
1: You got it. Well. Jake, you were very nice to, to do this with us, and uh, I, I hope I educated some uh, some of the fans there. I know you've done the same thing for the yeah. Texas Tech fans, man, but I, I appreciate it very much.
0: All right, let me get a quick word in real quick. before, and I, I want to get some keys to the game from you real okay. quick, and we'll get to those in just one second. But second. First, let's get a word in on our friends over at Jace Medical. They've been working with us for a few months now here on the Locked On Podcast Network. The best part about Jace Medical is they want to help you guys out no matter what the situation is. Obviously, we're all looking at what's going on in the world, unrest in the Middle East. East, the fires uh, in Lahaina there in Hawaii, hurricanes and tornadoes obviously across the south. It feels like earthquakes and more. They all can lead to supply chain shortages for medications and the inability to get medications in a timely manner. That's where Jace Medical enters the conversation, my friends. They offer customizability for Jace Case with dozens of add-on medications. Choose the medications that best fit you and your family's unique needs. The best part is they are working to expand their medication offerings In the recent efforts. They've added ivermectin as an option to the Jace Case obviously uh, to add no matter what you're looking for they've got the options for you guys so you have these on hand whenever a uh, tragedy or anything else might strike so go to jace medical right now and enter the promo code locked on at checkout for a 20 dollar discount to your order that's promo code locked on at j-a-s-e medical.com to take advantage of that now it's all courtesy of your friends at jace medical
1: it's kubota orange day shop the years of best selection of kubota tractors zero turn mowers and utility vehicles
0: All right, uh, Chris, so when it comes to Texas Tech, they're three and four on the year. In your mind, give me maybe one, two, maybe three uh, keys for the Tech, uh, Texas Tech Red Raiders to come to Provo and get a victory.
1: Well, um, I, 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 th- I think depending on who plays quarterback, I, I think the, w- the way I would look at this is you, you, you've got to do something to help this, e- either in dinged up Baron Morton yep. or, or, or true freshman Jake Strong. And with that, I think there's a there's a the, your recipe has to be you have to be able to run it at some level. Yes. Like you can't just Taj Brooks and Cameron Valdez, who's the backup, they have to be able to run it at some level just to take the pressure off. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I I wouldn't be surprised if this is more of a grinded out field position type game because last year in Ames Iowa they got into one of these it was zero <laughs> degree temperatures and you won 14 to 10. You're 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 flipping the field, you're using your punter, you're playing for field position, all these different things. You may get into some Something similar here. I'm not real sure. You know, it's funny because the next week they beat Oklahoma, like fifty nine fifty three. So they, you know, it's like which you know. But I I think they may have to find themselves in a uh, you know more of a low scoring, you know, game in the twenties, and you got to take advantage. But with that, your special teams probably need to win. Their, their side of things here which is not going to be easy texas tech special teams have been really good last week they were not Now kansas state that's a specialty uh, of theirs and they kind of they made you look bad a little bit uh but i, th- I think you've had a block punt for a touchdown recently you've done some different things something that could maybe swing a close game in your favor the red raiders were four and zero in one score games last year this year they're zero and three Okay. so it's just funny that that margin for error is just razor thin and like special teams can kind of tilt it. and, And I think it needs to do that. The other thing I would say is defensively. You, you need to keep BYU struggling on their third down, yeah. you know, conversions. Mm-hmm. They've really struggled there. I know last week it was a lot of third and long type scenarios, mm-hmm. but that's where this defense gets in trouble. Is if they start allowing third downs and you 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 know you um, you know allow BYU to stay on the field and 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 maintain a drive. You know, so third down defense, I would I would say be able to run it, and then you you got to do something on special teams to help out your offense or help out your quarterback. Uh, Jake, how about you? What does BYU need to do? Well,
0: you mentioned the third down situation. BYU allowed Texas Tech to go twelve of nineteen on third downs. At one point in that game, if I'm not mistaken, I think it was twelve of sixteen. So it was just the numbers are not favorable, and especially then BYU had Texas Tech by my count. Uh, at least six times in third and seven or longer, and they allowed conversions on all six of the, It was just brutal. Brutal to see that. And you also mentioned the offensive side of things. BYU's average third down and uh, to-go situation last week against te- TCU was third and nine. So uh, in many respects, third down is the key for BYU this week. Get yourself into manageable downs and distances when it comes to third down on offense, and then get yourself off the football field as a defense. I don't mean to make it as simple as that for BYU, but it, it really, the last week against TCU that was the killer for them on both sides of the football the one other one is BYU when they have been plus in the turnover margin uh, this season they're 4-0 so uh, turnovers huge key for BYU you mentioned the special teams factor this could be a like a punt off because Ryan Rico has been very very good for BYU this this year uh the Place kicking at BYU has got a little bit of a question mark. It's not been really that proven so far this year. But, yeah, take care of the football if you're BYU. Force a couple of turnovers. And then, obviously, uh, do your job on third down on both offense and defense. And I think BYU may be in for a bounce-back effort.
1: Yeah, nobody will want to see either guy. But the two punters in this game are are college-level elite. I mean, they are big time. And Austin McNamara, the Red Raider punter, his parents – Went to BYU. I uh, Actually,
0: so Austin McNamara, I'll tell you this. I covered some recruiting back when he was being recruited. I had a conversation with him about interest in BYU, and it didn't work out. Obviously, he's now with the Red Raiders, but, yeah, I remember him saying that. My parents are both BYU alums, so connections across the board when it comes between the Red Raiders
1: and the Cougars. You got it. Absolutely, man. Jake, appreciate it, brother.
0: Absolutely. Well, for Chris, I'm Jake. A big thank you once again for making Locked On Cougars and Locked On Texas Tech your first listen of the day, everybody. Hope you have a great rest of your day whenever you hear and or watch this. And, of course, join us again tomorrow right here on Locked On Cougars and Locked On Texas Tech. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.